What's happening far, far away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope all is well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing new out here on Outer Rim. No, I'm lying because there's always something going on in the Star Wars galaxy. So what do we got for today? Oh, first, happy late Labor Day. Gotta get that out of the way first. For all the people that go to that dreaded job every day, today we celebrate work, which is cool and all, but I think that everyone should just get some extra money. Well, I guess we get paid for the day off, so that's good in a way, but they should give us more money than that if you ask me. Anyway, we got a couple of announcements before we get to the news and rumors part of the episode. First one is, last Saturday, the Major Domo from the Book of Boba Fett, David Pasquese, joined the crew of Lightsaber Radio and talked about comedy in Star Wars. He was a really cool guy and very informative. Now he joined about halfway through the show because we had a time zone mix up, but he was a blast to talk with. Then this Saturday, we have Sharmila Dever, the voice of Ursa Wren on Rebels and on the Clone Wars. Now this is not a live show. There was some scheduling issues, so we had to record the episode in advance, but it will come out at its normal time, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time this Saturday on YouTube. And she was a blast to talk to. This episode was one of the most fun episodes that we've ever done. So you're definitely going to want to check it out. Links are always in the description there. Just go to the Lightsaber Radio in the show notes of this show and you can just click on it. It'll take you right there. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, we can get to some news and rumors. And this is something that I didn't know. Sure, we will probably use it for the fun fact. But I thought I would get more in depth because Qui-Gon Jinn almost made an appearance in Revenge of the Sith. While the prequels vastly expanded the Star Wars galaxy, there were still some things left unexplained. Most obviously, the concept of Force Ghosts. Every Jedi that died during the original trilogy faded away and became a spirit, often appearing physically or by voice not long after passing. Yet with hundreds of Jedis who died during the prequels, none became Force Ghosts, which was puzzling to me. However, when they were wrapping up on Revenge of the Sith, George Lucas originally planned on Qui-Gon Jinn explaining the situation. Qui-Gon's death was one of the most impactful things in the Star Wars galaxy. Not only did Anakin lose his potential father figure, but Qui-Gon was also the representation of what all Jedi were supposed to be. He often showed more compassion and his spirituality with the Force was far greater than others. So when he died, it made sense to have him become the first Force Ghost. Lucas had a general idea of how the Force Ghost came to be, but as with much of the prequels, his scope was too large for the feature film. The original plan was to have Qui-Gon's voice heard by Yoda when he was sitting and waiting for Obi-Wan to return after his battle with Anakin on Mustafar. And while the conversation never made it to film, the Blu-ray deleted scenes actually showed a pre-rendered version of what could have been. As Yoda was meditating in a large windowed room, the voice of Qui-Gon was supposed to say, when I became one with the Force, I made a great discovery. With my training, you will learn to merge with the Force at will. Your physical self will fade away, but you will retain your consciousness. You will become more powerful than any Jedi could imagine. Then an awkwardly composited Bill Organa then entered the room and interrupted the meditation, announcing Obi-Wan and Padme had arrived. The conversation likely got cut for time, and in its place, there was just a scene with Yoda revealing Qui-Gon's training to Obi-Wan. But while it gets the general idea across and creates a bridge between the prequels and original trilogy, Lucas wanted to explain Qui-Gon's sudden appearance in greater detail. So he adopted the deleted scenes into the Clone Wars. But before Disney brought back the Clone Wars for one final season, the final three episode arc featured Yoda learning how to become a Force Ghost from Qui-Gon, much like the deleted scenes. His ghostly voice appeared to Yoda while meditating and explained how he retained consciousness after death. 
The Qui-Gon scene would have been nice to keep in Revenge of the Sith, as it makes Yoda's mention of him far less jarring, but now the Clone Wars has offered a far more compelling explanation, and Qui-Gon has returned in other Star Wars media. It worked out for the better. It just goes to show that deleting a scene doesn't mean that that moment is lost forever. It can always be brought back in a later time. Maybe in a spin-off series or another movie. You never know. Okay, what else do we got? We all know when it comes to Star Wars, the idea that it was all connected was incorporated from the beginning. Still during the big investors presentation for Disney 2020, Lucasfilm's head Kathleen Kennedy said that the series set during the times of The Mandalorian will accumulate in a climax story event. In the pandemic and casting shakeup since, fans may have forgotten that detail, but more clues to what they are building are now out there. What if Star Wars crossover series on Disney Plus is an adaption of one beloved character, maybe a Thrawn trilogy? When Disney purchased Lucasfilm, the hectic and unorganized state of the expanded universe was swiftly reclassified as Star Wars Legends, leaving the story slate clear for the future. While this caused a lot of fans pain, including myself, because some of my favorite stories are in the expanded universe, but some elements from it has been slowly entering into the new canon. The biggest event was Timothy Zahn's character, the chess art appreciator Grand Admiral Thrawn. He was brought into the mix back in Rebels. On The Mandalorian, when Ahsoka made her live-action debut, she was on the hunt for this character. Actor Natasha Lou Bordizio brings Rebels character Sabrina Rim to live-action, in saying that Ahsoka would be a standalone story despite confirmation that some of the surviving Ghost crew are on the show thanks to The Mandalorian. However, Odysseus know that whatever Ahsoka's story is, hunting for Thrawn and Ezra is part of it. Another rumor suggests that before we see her in Ahsoka, Ordizio will appear as Sabim in The Mandalorian Season 3. Similar to Bo-Katan's actor Katie Surkoff has dodged questions about her potential involvement in Ahsoka. If Rosario Dawson's Ahsoka can pop up in the Book of Boba Fett, an episode which the title character didn't appear, anything is possible. It also suggests that regardless of which character's name is on the marquee, these post-return of the Jedi series are all telling a larger story. Perhaps what the shows are building to is a reimagining of the classic series of books that introduced Thrawn into the Star Wars galaxy. Zahn's trilogy, also known as Here to the Empire, tells the story of Thrawn attempting to destroy the New Republic with Imperial Remnant forces. There are also clones, previously unmet Jedi Masters, and fan-favorite characters like Mara J, Luke Skywalker, Leia Organa, and Han Solo. And the rest of the original trilogy cast play a big role in the book. Even though Lucasfilms has used Luke Skywalker more than they thought they would, it is unlikely that they would center an entire event series on him. To really tell the version of the story in Zahn's book, the storytellers would need to insert newer active characters and the changes made to the overall Star Wars story. And Thrawn trilogy adaptation could be exactly what fans are looking for. But producer Dave Filoni and John Favreau have proven that adapting elements from Legends and seamlessly incorporating those elements into the new story can and will be done. Yet in building up an assault for Thrawn and Imperial Remnants, the eventual Star Wars Disney Plus crossover could be a satisfyingly epic confrontation. Also given that Lucasfilm is not above using legacy characters via virtual effects and trickery, the original trilogy characters could show up in the story. They will likely just have reduced roles compared to the series lead, but it would be a fun thing to watch. Whatever story the Disney Plus Star Wars crossover event will tell, I can bet it will be a big one. And if you're telling a Thrawn story that requires fans to watch Star Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, and the Skeleton Crew, it would definitely be a great marketing ploy. And I would love to see Thrawn in live action, but they would have to get a great actor to play him. Okay, what else do we got? 
this is going to be a big week for Disney because Disney Plus Day is September 8th, which is this coming up Thursday. And it is rumored that they will be announcing eight big premieres. The reason that I said it is rumored is because Disney has said that before and they didn't deliver it or they over delivered. Anyway, the subscribers will find some big premieres on that special day, including the streaming debut of Thor Love and Thunder. In addition to that movie, fans can stream Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of Thor Love and Thunder, and us Star Wars fans won't be left out. On the heels of the Obi-Wan Kenobi limited series, we will be able to check out Obi-Wan Kenobi, A Jedi Returns, a special behind the scenes look at the making of the series. Can't let Frozen go, Disney will be releasing two new sing-along editions of Frozen and Frozen 2. The movies come complete with on-screen lyrics, so you can belt out Let It Go without getting any of the words wrong for once. But that's just the start. We will also see the release of live-action Pinocchio movie starring Tom Hanks, a new car series featuring Lightning McQueen and Mater, a new episode of She-Hulk, Attorney of Law, and a new Simpsons short called Welcome to the Club. Other premieres include Dancing with the Stars, The Pro's Most Memorable Dances, Terra Incognita, the original series produced in Latin America. It tells a story of a teenager who discovers a dark and unfamiliar world. Growing up, the docuseries that follows the trials and tribulations of adolescents through 10 coming-of-age stories. Epic Adventures of Bertie Gregory. National Geographic's Explorer Bertie takes viewers on an epic and nail-binding journey around the world. Remembering, this short film stars Brie Lawson exploring ideas, where they come from and what happens when they are forgotten. And the celebration will extend beyond the living room. Disney is also offering $5 screenings of some movies in select AMC theaters. This will start on September 8th and go through September 19th. These movies include Cars, Rogue One, and Thor Ragnarok. Disney Plus subscribers will also enjoy some additional perks at the park on September 8th, including meet and greets, photo opportunities, early park entries, and more. Disney Plus Day leads into D23 Expo on Friday, September 9th. The event, which will run through Sunday, September 11th, will give fans a sneak peek at several of Disney's up-and-coming projects. And even if you are one of those fans that think Disney ruins Star Wars, you have to admit they are killing it when it comes to content, and they're offering so much other stuff. Okay, now I didn't come up with a fun fact for this week. Like I said earlier, the Qui-Gon news that we found out about was kind of like the fun fact for this week, so I didn't do another one. And in the long run, it just means that we can get to Brotherhood faster, because last week was kind of a short chapter, and there wasn't really much to talk about. So I can't wait to see what's going to happen next, so let's jump into it. But as always, first we gotta drop the intro. Why are we still calling it an intro? It is not at the beginning anymore. That's the question for this week. Email us and tell us what you think. Should we move it back to the beginning or leave it where it's at? Okay, now let's get to the meat and potatoes of the show. What well do you have? You are now tuned in to Caucus Rays. You just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. Rug Kornam. Much of the past few days have been spent below the mist. Rug and Kitar down on the surface, doing everything from clearing rubble, to stopping fires before they reached explosive gas lines, to administering emergency medical aid. And though her long history as an operative involved murder, both up close and from afar, nothing ever quite matched the sheer devastation of what she saw in the fallen Katasura district. But the Cato Nemudian government still functioned, handling the usual business of the local municipality while coordinating with the Trade Federation. And on a public level, 
the continued posturing with both the Republic and the Separatists. That meant that standard guard shifts still happened, the pair swapping the chaos of the surface for the near quiet of government hallways. During that time, Kitar didn't heed any of Rug's advice on tempering his emotions. Particularly now, when he accompanied his duty with long diatribes about the Republic's responsibility for the devastation, and how Newt Gunray's splinter faction made sense, given the long history of prejudice in the Republic. Rug's response was to let Kitar get it out of his system. It just went on for so long. And the Republic, he said, his harsh whisper having grown into something much more audible. The Republic does not respect any of our culture, our people, my parents, they... Kitar, Rug asked after what must have been several minutes of a continuous tirade. They stood on opposite sides of the open doorway on simple guard duty, a lifetime away from the endless fires and debris far below, the intricately carved stone walls and exquisite ceiling murals of Zara's capital complex, a stark juxtaposition with the destruction still looping in Rook's memory. But here, at least Kitar's rants, which began to border on nonsensical, distracted her. Down the hall, government officials passed, probably out of earshot from their low conversation. Yeah? Did you get any sleep last night? Kitar straightened, blinking as he adjusted his weight. He peered down the hallway as an Amoidian and Immune stopped their conversation and turned to observe. Right, right, he said, his voice returning to a volume more fitting for guards standing on duty. Well? Well what? Did you get any sleep last night? After those training droids? Kitar looked down at his boots, a quiet laugh soon growing into a chuckle. No. You fought even more battle droids, didn't you? Long into the night. Of course he did. She supposed she should at least commend Kitar on constructively getting out his rage, though doing so clearly left him lacking the faculties of a well-rested, well-nourished royal guardsman of Cato Neimoidea. I hope you at least cleaned up after smashing any of them, Rug said, lighten up that a smile came with it. Kitar laughed again, shaking his head, a gesture loaded with enough of an apology that Rug decided to call it even. In fact, she laughed too, once again, distracting the pair attempting to have a discussion down the hall. At least their shift ended soon. No more practice droids tonight. Rug, I want to make a difference, he said, his voice laced with both desperation and defiance. Okay, look. Her voice maintained a controlled whisper to not give away the fact that they were chatting instead of performing guard duty. I'll take you down to the surface in the evening. We'll investigate what we can up close but only if you get some rest after the shift. Go to your quarters, watch a hollow, have an agaric ale, maybe both. That's an order. We're equal rank. Your orders don't count. 
That's an order from the rank of experience and age. And concern for what it was worth. She shot him a raised brow, and his ensuing grin and nod showed that maybe she'd gotten through to her young friend. Okay, this part jumps back to Rugen. What is happening on Namordia? But there is a change in the atmosphere for Rugen Kitar. They are now guarding a government office, which I would have to say would be a nice break. Compared to what they've been doing, the last time the part was about Rugen, she was trying to get the dirt and smell of death off of her, and Kitar was smashing up droids, which is kind of crazy, because from the sounds of this part, that was last night. Now they are standing guard in this building, and Kitar is talking a little too loud. He is venting his frustration, but this was entirely at the wrong time. Some of the bigwigs in the building even stopped their conversation to look at him. He is suffering because he wants to make a difference. He wants to make the Republic pay for what they did. And that's what makes me so mad with his character. They don't even know for a fact that the Republic did it, but he already has it said in his head that they are guilty. Sounds like how our world is today. Guilty until proven innocent. Instead of let's find out the facts first, and then we'll go from there. But to settle him down, Rogue tells him that she will take him down to the surface so they can look around for some clues, see if they might be able to figure out what happened. But he must go home and get some rest as soon as they are done. And she orders him to do this. He spouts out that they have the same rank, so she can't order him to do nothing. She tells him that this order comes from age and experience, and that's where we left off. So let's jump back in and find out what happens next. Then a new voice entered the space from within the room they guarded simply to ensure that everything the Republic does is trustworthy. Rook's history of missions and training had taught her to pick up all the details that identified a situation. Tone, sounds, environmental factors. Her mind worked in a constant scan, gathering information to know as much about the current situation as possible. That led to a running log of all of the Neimoidian officials and dignitaries in and about, both with typical Trade Federation business and with local handling of the disaster. But this voice was unfamiliar, its oily speech already carrying a different kind of cadence. It was female, hardened and spiteful, a gravel to it despite the dignified words it used. I am honored to support you during this difficult time, she said, the smallest changes and in inflections activating Rug's suspicions. We appreciate your presence, Minister Alu Vayam said. But we have assurances from the Republic that the Jedi is arriving alone. An unarmed shuttle, not a starfighter. A trick. The guise of diplomacy. The Jedi are known for such deceptions. Several meters away, Rook saw Kitar tense up. His attention pulled from standard guard duties to this conversation. Don't forget, Count Dooku used to be one of them. He understands their ways. Despite the tragedy of recent days, I personally have only had honest experiences with the Jedi. Then you are a fool, she said the harshness of her words echoing throughout the room. The footsteps stopped, all of them hesitating. The Jedi have convinced the entire galaxy of their righteousness. I see through them. Count Dooku sees through them. We will reveal the truth of what happened here. Tell me, Minister, does the Republic have a history of treating Neimordians with dignity? 
Well, uh, it has been a journey to find the right balance. Your diplomacy serves you in your role. I hear you are the best orator in the Cato Namorian government. My role is to speak and recognize truth. And my job is to help you understand where you should focus your interests. The galaxy is listening, Minister. Now, consider what you know of those running the Republic. Do they think your people to be greedy? Well, uh, greedy, maybe. Uh, do they consider them to be cowards? I don't see what... Do they recognize your art, your theaters, your music? The woman asked, each question pushing further into the tone of demand. Or has it all been swept away, lost in the noise of their propaganda? How much could the Republic actually respect the Trade Federation if their only official interaction is a single consulate office that is hardly used? With each passing second, Rook saw Kita react in subtle ways. Fists tightening, boots shifting, an exhale of grief. It has been a challenge at times. A challenge. That is one way to look at it. We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. The woman's voice carried a playful lilt, and if Rogue was able to see her, she was sure she'd spot a measure of a grin. Tell me, who is this emissary of the Jedi? Master Obi-Wan Kenobi of the Jedi Council. Rogue held up her guard rifle, sliding her hand down to the composite grip to let the light from the inner chamber reflect off the short stub of chromium around the muzzle. She twisted it slightly, then looked at the reflection. There was Alu Vayam, Minister of Defense for the Planet, and Feldaspar, another local official, one who had been overseeing relief resources. And this new person. Pale skin, a lithe frame, no hair on her head, but cruel lines that appeared to be Tattoos framing her mouth and temples. She walked, and under a long cloak, the bottom of her dark skirt swayed out in a way that seemed more functional than decorative. I look forward to meeting this. She paused, then looked out at the doorway where Rug and Kitar stood, as if her eyes connected with Rug's through the exact angle of the reflection. Obi-Wan Kenobi. The woman's gaze lingered for several seconds, and she broke off from the group, marching directly toward their guard post. I have overheard someone here expressing frustration with the Republic, she said as she broke the threshold. She walked a meter out into the hallway, then turned, I am and Spar moving to catch up to her. 
The weight of the woman's look brought a pressure to Rug's senses, and she felt immediately that something about the situation was off. Had this person been here in some order of standard governmental business? A diplomat from the Separatists, a visitor from Trade Federation executives? Everything would have carried a different air. The woman's piercing stare told a completely different story. Rug had met people like her before. People who tried to intimidate with their presence alone. Whatever her game, whatever her intentions, Rogue wasn't having any of it. Guards aren't supposed to engage with passers-by during our duty, she said quickly, meeting the woman's unblinking stare. It's disruptive. The side of the woman's lips tipped upward before she made a snap turn, then looked at Kitar. I appreciate the hard work of loyal guards. My apologies for getting in the way of your tasks. If, however, anyone wishes to discuss the previous transgressions of the Republic... She let her words trail off before stepping back toward the Namordian officials. Marug turned to Kitar, who stared straight ahead, but something behind his eyes had changed. I offer a sympathetic ear, and I will be easy to find. Rube watched as the woman and the officials walked away, silently cursing them as they departed. Okay, we got another part with a lot of talking and no action. And I know that we need these parts, but we have gone through 13 chapters, and the closest thing we got to some action was Anakin flying a speeder on a track. Well, let me digress. I know you guys are getting tired of hearing me complain about it. I know I, I complain about it a lot. But this is the second piece of this part. And it starts off with Rogue hearing a different voice. The voice is coming from a woman. And it was a voice that she was unfamiliar with. Rogue was trained to notice every detail of every situation. So she knew all of the voices of everyone in the building. And this voice was new. It had a sense of malice and spite. Whoever this person was, she was talking to the minister. And I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I spent like 20 minutes trying to get it right. I failed every time. So we're just going to call him Minister Iam. Whoever this woman is, she is trying hard to discredit the Jedi. I personally think it's Asajj Ventress. It does describe her as Ventress, even though her name is never spoken. But she is doing a great job of putting down the Republic and the Jedi. She is using prejudice as the catalyst of her argument. That is definitely something that goes on in our world every day. As soon as a government wants to distract its people, there's always something that comes up about racism. But what she is saying is getting the Kitar. The more she talks, the more he gets mad. She asks who the Jedi that is representing the Republic is. The minister tells her that it is Obi-Wan Kenobi, and she says she can't wait to meet him. So if this is Ventress, we might be hearing the first time that they ever meet in this very story, which would be very cool because we never got to see that in the Clone Wars. But I think from what we just heard, she has captivated Kitar with her words. And that's where this part came to an end. So now I think that we should get to the quote for this week. And it comes to us from Rashid Rashad. He said ambition is a powerful force. It will turn hopeful wishes into reality. And it will lead you on the right course to a good life. A lot of people fail to achieve their dreams because they lack the ambition to fight for it. Ambition plays a big part in achieving one's success. You can have the best idea in the world. An idea that will change the lives of millions. But if you don't have the strive to achieve it, it dies in your heart and mind. So many wonderful ideas are lost because of a lack of drive. Ambition is just a strong desire to do or to achieve something. So you must have a desire. 
that fire in your being that says I will not fail. Typically, it takes some determination and some hard work. Nothing in life will be given to you. You are going to have to put in the work and have that unbreakable determination to make it to the finish line. But I promise you, when you get there, it will be worth all the hard work. That is the part that he is talking about that will lead you on the right course to a good life. The hard work and getting to the finish line. Okay, that's all I got for today. Join us next week for part 14 of this amazing story. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Swaycast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>